Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigley Blast. At this time last year, the Cardinals were 7-0. and This year, they are 3-4. and And you know what? They actually might be in a better place. And that is because the NFL is upside down right now. The big stories are the Jets, Giants, and Geno Smith. And yesterday, Steve Wilkes got a game ball after holding the Buccaneers to three points. It's also because the NFC is wide open. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have two-game losing streaks and just lost to P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke, respectively. And it's because the NFC West is a muddled mess. The Seahawks are in first place, the Rams are broken, and the 49ers have just enough quarterback to get them beat. And this is exactly why I believe the Cardinals should be proactive right now and let Cliff Kingsbury step back from his play-calling duties. Do it now, after a victory, when it will be framed as a proactive move and not a reaction to disaster. Do it before another on-field meltdown from Kyler Murray strips the head coach of all his credibility internally and externally and do it now because it might be exactly what this offense needs to get over its reliance on DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals need to understand this 3-4 and record of theirs. It's a reprieve. It's a blessing. And for all the conflict and drama that has marked the last 7-8 to eight months, they have got a chance to spin straw into gold. And they better not assume the first 40-point performance from Kingsbury's career and his offense is proof of anything moving forward. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, it definitely helps with some of our injury um, issues. There's some guys that I think are on the fringe of getting back that are really important to us. So uh, we'll be able to do a, a little bit of a self-scout the first seven weeks as coaches and see what we're good at, what we got to get better at, where we can improve. And like I said, then the per- some of the new personnel we're getting back, how can we incorporate them and keep going? It's Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach last Friday talking about that self-scout first seven weeks. Um, does that self-scout involve with the long week what Vic brought up in the blast, what we discussed last week, and what other people are discussing, including our own Ron Wolfley, and that is maybe part of that self-scout, to Cliff Kingsbury's own words, things that we're not that good at. He's mentioned it before, play calling. Uh, it's not going well uh, this season for him, although last Thursday's game was an improvement in that area in terms of overall production of the offense. The operation wasn't always smooth, but mm-hmm. I'm real curious. I don't think it will happen, but I'm real I curious agree. to see how much that's discussed this week. Or if Cliff Kingsbury, to you, to your point, says, you know what? This is a good time to maybe give this a shot. On the flip side of it, let's... Let's go down the road of, all right, they do this. And maybe Spencer Whipple is the guy that's handle, ha- handling the, the play calling. Yeah, he'd have to be the guy. There's no guarantee that that works. No. There's no, no guarantee. That's that, why you don't make it permanent. Uh, yeah, but are you? if you go down that road and it is a failure, and then you come back from Minnesota having some similar issues that you had earlier in the season, and then you're switching back, how much damage have you done to the rest of this 
of the season. Well, how much did, how much does that affect the confidence of those guys on offense? I, I don't know how much the play calling would really suffer giving it to somebody else, to be quite honest with you. And, and I think you do it for a couple of different reasons. I don't think it's just the quality of the play calling, which I do think has kind of been sus this year, if you will. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it, but it has been. It has been. And I think we saw the visceral reaction to the fade call to Rondale Moore, and you saw how people just move. So I think you do it for for that for the reason of maybe giving a fresh set of eyes to the issue, but I also think you do it to get Cliff Kingsbury a step removed from Kyler Murray. That's that to me is probably the more important issue right now. Get a different voice in his headset and, and get Cliff Kingsbury out of the crosshairs. Maybe. Don't you think that would only bring more attention to it if they do it this week after that very public interaction on the field? Clearly, Everyone's going to be saying, I do not think that, Jared, because I'm advocating the exact opposite. You can frame it and say you think that. Don't ask me if I think that when I'm telling you exactly what I think and what I think is exactly the opposite of what you're asking me. Don't you think logically that you should think this because of how public their dispute was? Do you think? Do you think? Don't you think Jared that a lot? Carlin, driving the show. Into the wall every hour, and don't you think a logical person who watched the game would think this certain way? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Listen, I, I think there's that. There's the risk of that. There is the risk of doing what you're saying. That that um, I was going to say it's a reaction as well. They can't work together, so they had to make this change. Oh yeah, look, it, right. But but I think if if you're watching the way these guys are interacting, I, I I think you'd really have to be concerned about where this relationship is going and what this relationship where it's at right now. I know that these two have spent a lot of time together over the last four years, um, or maybe they haven't, but I just think when you look at the, Kyler's demonstrations on the field, you, you can't continue to have that and have any level of respect for the head coach in that room. At some point in time, the guys around Cliff Kingsbury, if, there's, if there are guys in the locker room that aren't feeling Kyler Murray, that think he's you know maybe a little entitled and maybe too much of a lone wolf, they, they don't like the fact that their head coach is just swallowing all that. And then if that exists, you're right. Right. And then to the flip side, if there are guys who think in that room who think the offense is held back by Cliff and and his play calling, they're probably like, yeah, that's it, Kyler. I, I think it's a dangerous situation. It's what we saw because it wasn't just the first time. If that was a if that was a lone individual blow up on a football field, I'd blow it off. Completely, but yeah. it's, but it's been happening repeatedly. Second time in what three weeks yeah. that we had seen and, that. And there are people who say that Kyler threw Cliff under the bus when when he told the media, "Yeah, they were screaming in my headset, clock it, clock it, clock it." Um, so and and as a media member who was in the press conference after that game, it didn't hit me that way. Experiencing it live, it didn't hit me like, "Oh, look at that." Because I've seen players throw managers and coaches under the bus before. Yes. We all have. It didn't feel that way to me in real time. But the exchanges between Kyler and Cliff, we've seen it go both ways. We've seen Kyler impatient on the f- on the field, motioning to the sidelines like, let's go. And then we see the exact opposite of that last week, where Cliff Kingsbury is losing his stuff on the sidelines, which we still don't have footage of, but we saw the footage of the reaction from, from Kyler Murray yeah. and what he called antics on the yeah. sideline. And and Ken Summers asked him in the press conference, he was like, he's like, really? Antics from, from a guy like Cliff who's so chill? And Kyler said something to the effect of, yeah, he's chill every day but Sunday. Which which wouldn't surprise me that that some of the anxiety that that is reflective in his play calling isn't also audible in Kyler Murray's headset. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't think they're going to do it. But Cliff brought it up. Cliff offered to do this. He told Wolf and Luke, "Yep, if if I think it'd make us better, 
I'm perfectly fine with this. Then you had Wolf on well, board. Well, he, he answered a question about it. He, did, he didn't that's, offer it really without answering the question. That's a good distinction to make. Yeah. That's a good distinction to make. <laughs> and we still don't I know where that edict would come say, from. He's choosy chill, you know, until Sunday. Don't you think it's time to break right now? Don't you think we should go to break? I was going to, but then you started talking again. Don't you think that a logical person would want us to go to break right now? (laughs) So we shall do that. And I don't know, maybe continue this conversation on the other side with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Kurt Warner, he'll join us next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here we go! Quick! Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Now we continue on this Monday. Cardinals coming off a Thursday night win over the Saints. They got Minnesota coming up on Sunday and a very muddled NFC West division here to talk football with us. Cardinals with us. Hall of Famer, former Cardinal quarterback, NFL Network, Westwood One. He's a busy guy, so we appreciate Kurt Warner joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning. How you guys doing? What's Good. up, movie star? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Uh, Cardinals get the win, uh, and it was a win. A, a lot of the ingredients that went into that are what they needed. 42 points, 28 of them coming on offense for a struggling offense. But the problems aren't nearly solved. We've been having this discussion for, for a while, Kurt, about th- this uh, idea that uh, Cliff Kingsbury maybe give up play calling duties on a on a temporary voluntary basis. I don't think it's the right time. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things that you always have to step back and evaluate everything. You do yourself scouting, and and, and you have to ask those questions. Uh, why are we struggling on offense? You know, is it play design? Is it play call? It, play calling? Is it? you know, something that I've gotten predictable, um, you know, or is it one of those things where I just don't feel like I can get into a rhythm in a game. And that's so important as a play caller is to feel like you have a rhythm, not just calling plays, but you have a rhythm in a game and you're seeing what defenses are doing and you're able to be ahead of that and, and react to it. And those are the questions that you have to ask. It's not always just Hey, do we have good plays designed? You know, it, it's more about does it fit and does it get my guys in good positions to be successful? And you know, and again, that's that's a big picture picture question that you have to step back. You know, be judicial about it and uh, judicious about it, and, and figure out what's the best thing for your team. And so, uh, I don't think it's something that you can always answer from the outside because we can look at things and go, "Oh, well, the guy was open. Oh, that was a good play concept." But it's more about flow, and that to me has been the biggest question with this offense: is that you just don't ever seem to get into a flow, especially early in games. It, you know, it's not that they don't make plays here and there, and they've got playmakers. It's just the flow seems to be so choppy that it's just kind of here and there and here and there, and and that rhythm is is so important to play the game. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you what you see uh, from Kyler Murray. You break down players and quarterbacks uh, better than anybody. Um, There's a fear that prior to last week that he's been regressing, that his technique is kind of chunking off a little bit. He's throwing a lot off his back foot. His accuracy is down. Where do you think he is in his state of his uh, in his state of development as a franchise quarterback? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I think he's a, a a good quarterback, and he's a good quarterback, especially when 
when he when he sees what he needs to see. And, you know, the thing about DeAndre Hopkins is he makes the game easier. Every great player, especially as what we call an X receiver, a solo receiver, like Larry Fitzgerald was for me or Torrey Holt, you know, when, when you've got this, you know, concept over here to the right that is a quarterback you have to read because it's three players running a concept. And then you have this one guy back on the backside that is in a one-on-one situation and you get a one-on-one back there, you throw it to him. And that opens up the game and makes the game so much easier and allows you to, to make more of these layups. You know, if you watch the Bengals play, every time Joe Burrow gets Jamar Chase one-on-one on the backside, he tries to throw it to him. Mm-hmm. That's what DeAndre Hopkins does for any quarterback, especially a young quarterback. So that's a huge part of this mix is having that guy. Um you know, and then from there, Kyler's got to continue to grow as a pocket passer. And, and, and this is twofold. It's one of those things that I don't know if he's ever really been taught, you know, from a perspective of being a drop back passer and, you know, reading defenses and doing that part of it. We've seen the game go so much more to what we call pure progression passing uh, because they want these athletes to play sooner and sooner in college. And so they develop these systems where it doesn't matter what the coverage is. You're going to look at this guy first and then this guy second and this guy third. And that's how you're going to progress through every play. I believe that's a detriment to quarterbacks because you get stuck looking at receivers and not looking at defenses. And when you see a defense and you know what they're doing, you know where you should go with the football. And pure progression takes you longer to get through some of that stuff. And um, and, and I believe that's where Kyler's been. That's a big part of what you know Arizona does with their offense anyways. And it sounds really good because it's like, well, you know, it, it shouldn't be that hard because you're always looking at one, two, three, and four in that order. But to me, it's really hard because you can't get to two until you've looked at one. And you can't get to three until you've looked at two. To me, if I go back and I'm reading two and three at the same time based on what the flat defender does, I'm on time to both of those guys. And you know that, to me, is the development for Kyler Murray. And, again, it, it's got to be part of what's taught to him. It's got to be part of what the scheme teaches. And so that, to me, is the area where he needs to go. He's so talented. He's such a gifted thrower. I don't know if you guys saw my breakdown. I mean, there's, there's so many things that he does well and so much reactionary stuff that you just can't teach that he does. No doubt. Now who can just act. On schedule to all of that stuff, that's when you start to see, you know, $240 million and you start to see this guy that can be transcendent in our game. And, but, you know, again, and this isn't just Kyler, there's a lot of guys in the league that are like this as young quarterbacks. And the question always becomes, where did they get by the end of their career or by the, the prime of their career? What are they at the prime of their career? Can they be a complete player or do they have to hang on certain things, um, you know, that, that, that makes it really tough to, to, to play the game all the time? You were so great at reading defenses, particularly before the ball was even snapped, as was Peyton Manning, as is Tom Brady. I'm not sure I've ever seen a blitz that you are not prepared for. Um, Kyler Murray has never really had to read defenses throughout his career. That's pretty obvious. He's in a league where he's going to have to learn at some point in time. Could you help him with this? If the, if he came to you and said, Kurt, can you, can you help me learn how to read defenses? Could you help this young man? Well, I, again, you know, there's there's part of it that 
you know, guys have to be able to see and react to the speed of the game. You know, on paper, the answer would be, you know, yes. And again, not that he's not already being coached and taught this stuff, but the answer on paper would be yes. Like, okay, if you have this, here's where we're looking. Here's where we want our eyes. Here's our thought process again from that stuff. But I've Piper and tell you everything you would want to know about that play. And then they go out on the field and they just can't process it in the two to three seconds that it takes. And these have been some good quarterbacks in our league. And so everybody can't do it. That's one of the reasons why the great ones separate themselves from everybody else because their ability to process that information quickly. And, 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 you know, people have asked me that all the time. I don't know if that's something that can be taught um, or if it's something that you have to have innately. Um, you know, but, but again, I played the game that way, so I see the game that way. Um, and, you know, I always like to think, well, I, I, could, I could help guys to kind of see the game through my lens, um, you know, maybe better than, than they are right now. But, but how that calculates out on the field I don't know. Yeah, I'll use this example. And again, my son is is a freshman at Temple. And the way that I've always taught him to play the game is the way that that I played the game. And I watch him play at Temple now, and he processes information better than a number of guys that I see on Sundays when I watch the film. (laughs) Now, Now, is that because I taught him to do that from a young age and he learned to do that from a young age? Or is that because he's got a mind or a brain similar to mine. So he sees the game the way that I do. And so I can't answer the question until I'm with guys and you can teach them and show them. And then you can see when you go out of the field, does that translate, um, you know, to being able to process things quickly? Yeah. Great stuff. As always, Kurt, thanks for making some time for us. I wish we had more time so we could talk about the death of the downfield passing game in the NFL. Cause I've seen some tweets that you yeah. had on yeah. that, but we'll, we'll do that next Let's time. Do it next yeah. time, Kurt. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Brutal sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Right, Kurt, thanks. Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, coming up next, Phoenix Suns get a nice win in L.A. We feeling better about the Suns three games through the season? We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Booker wants a three. Give it to him as the shot clock expires from the left wing. That's 35 on the night for Book. And the Suns are back up 15. About as fast as we've ever played on offense, uh, especially against their their defenses. They switch, they zone, um, they try to slow you down. I thought we just caught the ball and just took off a ton tonight. I don't know how many times we touched the paint. Well, it was, you know, indicative of the attitude and the aggression that we had. And I think we started the game with six stops. I think there was a foul mixed in there, but we started with like six stops. That's Monty Williams. After the highlight from John Bloom, Devin Booker's fifth three-pointer, 35 points on the night. He spearheaded the victory. Came out aggressive in the first quarter. 14 first-quarter points for Devin Booker. Suns win rather easily against the L.A. Clippers. And I think uh, I'm not going to sit here and diminish that win. Uh, that's a good win against a good basketball team, and there was a little emotion there, home opener. Uh, I think it's good to get the Clippers early. I think, and I brought this up earlier yeah. in the show, I think the Clippers, with all their depth, bringing back players like Kawhi Leonard, um, 
there's some guys right now that are maybe struggling to find their footing on, on what they mean. Like Reggie Jackson doesn't look. Remember how good Reggie Jackson was in the so Western dynamic. Conference Finals? Yeah, and he is so bad right now. He looks he looks like he's looks lost, lost. Yeah, because you know he's lost time to to John Wall, who had you know moments of, of brilliance and moments of what are you doing out there last night? Good win for the Suns, uh, and especially to bounce back from that loss that they had Friday night in Portland, which a, a game they probably should not have lost. And we can say that the game against Dallas in the season opener probably was a game that probably won. should not yeah, have won, so right. it evened out. But, uh, yeah. but last night was a, was a really impressive handling of, of a good basketball that's the team. Way it, that's the way it hit me. And, and I have been, I've been a little bit pessimistic, and I've been trying to kind of um, bite my tongue a little bit because we are so early um, about the state of this roster and the state of this bench and the inactivity from James Jones and what is going on here. I'll, I'll tell you this much right now. Um, in, in a recent source that I talked to, an NBA source, there's a feeling in the NBA of what, what, what are the Suns doing? What are they doing with those draft picks? Why are they not making trades? Why aren't they doing anything? That's not just talk radio people. There are people in the NBA wondering what exactly James Jones is waiting on. And there's still an existing fear, that speculation, that that the Durant thing must be in play in the back of his mind. That's what's being said. So all of that coming into this weekend's game, after Friday night, after giving up that lead, after the DA stuff with Damian Lillard, I was afraid they were going to get pounded last night. And just the exact opposite happened. So I I actually feel a little bit better about everything with this basketball team. I think this game against the Warriors is going to be interesting. I hope that that this bench now finds that they find some roles that Jock Landale can succeed in a very limited role that Damian Lee can grow his game even more because he's been pretty impressive so far. Are you surprised how little they're using Dario Saric so far? I'm a little surprised by that. Um, And then the Landry Shamit thing. Last night, I'm telling you, the the bench minutes they gave him in the second quarter last night to me was influential in that game playing out the way it did because they came out early and the Suns jumped on him. As you should. The Clippers are playing the second of a back-to-back. Kawhi Leonard didn't even come into the game until the middle of the second quarter. I got to the point where I was like, doing? Uh, is he going to play? <laughs> I mean, I joked so on opening stupid. night that maybe he wouldn't play for, yeah. you know, it'd be a rest night right. on opening night. Right. And he comes in the game and he's awesome. And you're like, what are they doing? So I, I last night's game meant something to me. And, and I'm really, um, I'm really, I'm really excited about how Devin Booker looks this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he's he looks really good so far. Again, the elevation continues. There's still business to be done. They have not rectified the Jay Crowder situation no. uh, through three games. He is still languishing on his own. Sham Strania uh, from The Athletic this morning put out a report that said, uh, in addition to the Hawks, the Suns have recently been engaged in talks with the Bucks on a potential Jay Crowder trade, sources said. Milwaukee is registered interested in the veteran forward who has remained away from the Suns organization as both sides work toward a trade. Miami is also believed to be among the current suitors for Crowder, according to league sources. So two teams uh, with championship mm-hmm. aspirations. Jay Crowder fits that mold. Uh, you know, yeah. And two teams where P.J. Tucker filled that role and, yeah. and is no longer yeah. there. Right. So, right. hey, Jay that's Crowder, right. can you come in and beat P.J. Tucker you, for us? Right, who would ever thought that? But, yeah, that, that, sounds, like a, that sounds like a good fit for, uh, for the Bucks and for Jay Crowder. And at some point in time, you would think that thing has to get yeah. settled. Kevin Zimmerman on ArizonaSports.com this morning uh, followed up on this. Talked about options if it's indeed the Bucks. Here's um, 
Here's what he wrote. Trade avenues involving just the Bucks and Suns appear few and far between. Guard Grayson Allen is the only one-for-one trade option on the board right now, but he is a starter and one of the few perimeter scoring threats outside Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Then he mentions other players like Joe Ingles, Pat Connaughton, Jordan Wara, but uh, uh, Ingles and Connaughton... uh, can't be uh, Ingles especially can't be trade eligible until mid December or mid January. Oh, okay. Grayson, Grayson Allen, Allen no, no. for Jay Crowder. Oh, Grayson Allen is one of those guys. I'll, I'll I, say I don't it. know. He's, if he's one, of those, one of those guys. No, he's one of those guys. You hate him if he's not on your team, and if and, and if, if he's on your team yeah. as well. I, no, I, no, I, no I, I, I think I would just hate him. I think I would just continue to hate so him. So he's in the Patrick Beverly category. I, I like Patrick Beverly more than I like Grayson Allen. Whoa. Really, yeah, I do. Hit the breaking news sounder, I do. Jerry. I, I, don't, I don't like either all that much. That that would be interesting. At least Grayson Allen can shoot. He can shoot. <laughs> he would be Danny Ainge 2.0 for the Suns. He would be. He would be. Look at Danny that. Ainge worked out pretty well. Yeah. And he yeah. was that guy. You hated yeah. him when he was on Portland or Boston. But when he got to the Suns, you're like, okay, we can embrace this yeah, guy. Yeah, just, just props to the Suns, though, for coming out and just hammering the Clippers last night. I, I didn't know they had not won there in so long. Something about the Clippers always gets a, a good effort from Devin Booker. He, he gets up to play that team. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why that would be. Uh, Chris Paul had a theory on it last night. Uh, Booker playing in uh, the house that a certain player called home for all those years. I think just our energy, pace. You know, we got off to a good start. Book just sort of had that, you know, that little, just see it, his energy. You know what I mean? The house that Kobe built, you know what I mean? He just, he got us going, and I think we just kept it going. Yeah, he did definitely came out with that energy. Uh, one other note, the Jay Crowder thing, I'd be lying if I said, I haven't had the thought through the first three games of maybe the Sun should just be real nice to Jay Crowder. Try to patch that up. Because the Cam Johnson experiment so far has been an interesting How one. How about it? Uh, he's played through. He got injured in the preseason. Contused. He got uh, cramps in the first game. Mm. He got another contused. He was heavily contused he's after heavily a Friday, contused. Uh, after Friday night's game. <laughs> I give Shut him credit. Up, Jared. Most players, you know, uh, Zion Williamson got a contusion last night. He's going to miss about six months with that. <laughs> Are we agreed? <laughs> he took a hard Sadly, fall. Yes. That seems to, but, you know, Cam Johnson was yeah. out there. I give him credit, and he's battling through. Yeah. But I had but, the words of Dan Bickley rattling through my head about, you know, opponents taking physical liberties against Cam Johnson as a four. Yeah, and it's going to continue to happen, and you wonder if he can hold up physically to the demands of the position. I'm I'm with you on that. I I would you would think that that guys like James Jones and Monty Williams could kind of build a bridge back for Jay Crowder, but as Jared said, Jay Crowder, Crowder extremely prideful guy, extremely, and I don't know if there's any coming back from that. So I wish they tried. I, I doubt. Uh, I doubt there is. I feel if, like if they, there was a possibility, I don't think it gets this far. Uh, once, yeah. once the Kevin Durant thing f- fell apart, you have to think at that point they tried with Jay to make everything work out because, or else it's irresponsible to go this late. You know, when it came out to all of us, it couldn't have been at that point that it came out to James Jones well, right before the season no, started. No, but what's more irresponsible, holding on to him at this point or just trading him to trade him and not getting anything of value back, but you just want to unload him? So I, I mean, that's a wait and see. You have to see what they get back from Yes, him. but 
it, you know, you could you could also accuse James Jones of the opposite if he if he moved too quickly to move Jay Crowder just to unload him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not their problem right now. Um, you know, is it an issue that's off in the distance? Yes, and I think we'll we'll get a, a resolution to it soon. But I kind of like that James Jones hasn't just unloaded Jay Crowder for nothing. Yeah, a, a no, lot of GMs will just wash no, their yeah, hands. You of don't, it. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, no, you can't just give away an asset yep. like that. I don't think. Uh, big one tomorrow to start a six-game homestand for the Suns in downtown Phoenix is uh, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors in town for the first of those six games. Uh, coming up next, we'll get them more into NFL Week Seven. Lots of happenings, lots of storylines. We'll touch on some of them next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Monday. Live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. There's no restrictions on Gino. He can do whatever we can think of. And, and uh, He's different than he was, you know, and you can put a label on somebody for what he was, and, and then you miss the whole chance, chance to understand this guy. This guy is a different guy. He's, he's, he's experienced. He's, uh, he's physically fit. He's having a blast. He's, he's, he's living in, a, in an elevation of poise with the way he's handling it. It's perfect. It's perfect for the moment. And so uh, I was thrilled and, and to see it happen, and couldn't happen to a better guy. Wait, did Pete Carroll just describe Geno Smith as physically fit? <laughs> <laughs> different not, different than he used to be. <laughs> That's not something you hear very often when talking about a professional athlete. Well, he he does look different. Uh, Geno Smith used to be a little soft physically. Yeah, I guess. Uh, um, no, he, he, I, I, it's noticeable to me. Now, un- again, un- I, haven't been watch, I haven't been watching a ton of him recently, like the last X amount of years. But when he got his shot back in the days of the Jets, he wasn't cut like he is now. So I do think that there's something to that. Maybe not a ton. One of those He's guys. Got a very, take- very live arm from what I've seen. Yeah, uh, and did it again yesterday. Not huge numbers, twenty of twenty-seven, but completed seventy-four percent of his passes, two hundred ten yards, two touchdowns. That's an impressive win for the Seahawks to go into L.A. against the Chargers. You never know what Chargers team is going to show up, uh, but to beat them by two touchdowns mm-hmm. in a game where they lost DK Metcalf, and I have not seen uh, any update this morning on Metcalf's injury. That could be substantial moving forward. And, and with the way the NFC West is you know, situated right now, losing DK Metcalf could be a big swing in the standings. He's very important to what they do from a passing it's a big game. Day. It's a big day for Seattle. Yes. Uh, they, they did an x-ray. An x-ray doesn't do much for anything involving ligaments. So having so they, an MRI today. Yeah, so the MRI today, uh, DK Metcalf, while sitting on that cart, um, seemed to reassure a teammate. He said, I'm good. I'm okay. But then again, it might have been Chris Johnson talking to Dan Bickley. Yeah. I'm good, Everything's man. fine. Everything's fine, man. You never know with DK Metcalf on a cart anymore either. Yeah, what well, exactly is going uh, to the back that, four? That's a good point. That's a good point. Wow, that is a yeah. good point. All right, the king of clench. So, <laughs> I, so to me, that's a big day. I, I do think though that this is this is shaping up to be such a triumph for Pete Carroll. It really, really is. It, for, for a guy at his age to believe so deeply in something he had and to know that Russell Wilson was expendable and. Uh, 
all that was said about it, about how dumb this must be and what is a 70-year-old coach doing embarking on a rebuilding project, there's a chance they had no idea. There's a chance they got real, real lucky because I do remember at one point in time during the training camp and and the preseason that Drew Locke was reportedly a little bit ahead of Geno Smith winning the job, and then he lost time with COVID. And, And in that time, Geno Smith took the job and hasn't looked back. So I don't know whether this was destiny, luck, you name it. It's 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 quite a, re- a good reflection on Pete Carroll. But can I ask this question too? And I think it's fair to ask this question. Is Pete Carroll, and he's not the only one, but is everybody taking the Geno Smith victory lap a little too early? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's, been, it's been good. Uh, I don't think anybody was ready for what we've seen. But again, yeah. go back to his last year in college. At West Virginia. Uh, He had a game um, early in the 2012 season against Baylor where he threw, uh, completed 45 of 51 passes for 656 yards and eight touchdowns. And everybody said, Geno Smith, just engrave his name on the Heisman Trophy right now. Uh, Had a good week the next week against Texas. Then they lost to Texas Tech, Kansas State, Texas Christian, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Syracuse in, in a bowl game. And he was nowhere to be found in the Heisman voting at the end of it. People adjust. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, yes, that, that's definitely. In fact, if I had a bet on it, I would bet on there, there being a correction with the Seahawks. I would not bet on the Seahawks winning this division. So everything you're saying, I ultimately would bet on that perspective. How but, often do people have renaissances in their ninth season? That is true, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to. Th- I didn't think it would last this long, though, to be fair. So who knows? Seven games. What? Uh, what did you think, Bick, of uh, Christian McCaffrey's debut? He was okay. I, I think given given the fact that he had only been in, in in that offense for a couple of days, I thought he made a little bit of an impact. But then I think that it just became the Patrick Mahomes show. His first few carries, he was getting like eight yards, nine yards. I was like, right, oh, 10 no. Ten yards on his first carry. I was I, like, oh, I boy. Think, I think in in the coming weeks when they really when when there's some assimilation and he gets a little I think that's going to be if he stays healthy that yes. and that's a big if it is a big if but, but there's also people you know, one of the the refrains coming out of San Francisco for the last couple of years is wow Kyle Shanahan is such a genius offensively and so multiple in the running game and they don't really need a star running back cuz they get guys like Jeff Wilson and and um Raheem Moster to be and I even forget the guy's name last year who got hurt early this year who was their leading rusher you what, check? Uh, no, the uh, he's hurt. Uh, he's out for a while. Uh, it'll it'll come to me. But um, when it, people are saying that that's the strength of the San Francisco yeah. offense, plug and play. Did they need to give up that much for uh, a player like Christian McCaffrey, who's undoubtedly special? And potentially devastating. And if DK Metcalf's injury is serious, and I talked about the the possibility of that affecting the standings, yeah. obviously moving forward, Christian McCaffrey in a more comfortable and um, bigger role with the 49ers could could sway the whole power of the division. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I, I think what's going to be interesting here is will any team kind of surge forward and take control of this division. Uh, it's going to be real interesting now because the 49ers have to, the 49ers now coming out of yesterday, they've got to go and play the Los Angeles Rams. Now, history would tell you that's exactly who they want to play because they've owned the Rams. 
And so they're a good team, especially a team that's got very little offensive line. So so they're a team that, that maybe the 49ers can kind of get right on, get back to 500, and then kind of hit the gas pedal. Yet the Rams are coming off a bye week. And so I don't know what's going to come out of that game. The Seattle thing, you, you don't know really if that's going to hit a wall or not. And then you got the Cardinals. And who knows where this thing is going. Yeah. Division's up for grabs. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell was the guy I was looking for. Yeah, that's him. Um, There's a report today, too, about what the the Rams were in on Christian McCaffrey and apparently made a, a pretty strong offer. Final offer to Carolina, a second and third in the 2023 draft, a fourth and a fifth in the 2024 draft, and running back Cam Akers. Pretty similar to what they wound up getting from San Francisco. Yes, but without the, the running back component. Uh, Panthers obviously took San Francisco's offer instead. Christian McCaffrey preferred to be in the, with the Bay Area. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was kind of one of the takeaways there. Um, the Buffalo Bills were apparently in play for Christian McCaffrey because that that would have been a dynamic player to drop into that team, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't know where it's all going, but it it's the Cardinals have a shot here. They do, and that's I guess with. Everything we've talked about for seven weeks, that's all you can ask for at this point. Uh, You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Eric Cazell takes us through social studies to kick off the 9 o'clock hour here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.